As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Aaron from the Sif Pop Podcast. If you'd like an ad-free start to this Studio DNA podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash studio DNA. Thank you. The Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that hopes our arms know Morse code, you know, just in case, it's Sif Pop. He's shaking his head already. Yeah. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! <laughs> that was beta. That's Betamax, right? Yep. Baymax, I mean. Baymax. Betamax. That's a totally beta, different thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby. Oh, and each week we will chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, welcome back. I've been traveling a little bit, did some sift swifts to kind of keep something in the feed each week. Did you listen at all to the one with my wife? No. Okay. I so, didn't even know there was one posted. Yeah. So last week was, uh, I just chatted with Jen about kind of her pop culture, how she grew up and I mean, it's stuff that we already knew cause we've talked about, but it was kind of interesting cause we're nothing alike. Like pop culture is just background to her. Really? You know, she's not like super interested in it. She comes to the theater with us sometimes. Yeah, I mean, she can, I mean, she enjoys a movie or a TV show that she likes, but yeah. it's not like something. It, it's been a hard process for her <laughs> to understand why I'm so interested in it, why you know why it means so much to me, and I like to you know talk about it and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It was an interesting conversation. You might was that a part? Out. Was that a part of the podcast? Like you trying to explain like your yeah. fascination and everything? Yeah, we took questions uh, from listeners, you know, that they had for her about you know. What it's like to have a husband who goes and sees every single movie that comes out in the theater and all that kind of fun stuff. So, um, so yeah, you might want to check that out. But it's nice to have Andrew back in the building and yeah. just do a regular old Sif Pop. Yeah, uh, We're going to have a good time. Before we get started, though, uh, I did want to let people know the second annual Sif Pop Oscar party is all set to happen. So we've got the uh, online picks that you can make. That's all set up. It's actually been up for a couple weeks now. 
Um, we already have like 20 entrants. I'm still slacking. I yeah, well, I need to get an email out to all the gurus because yeah. actually I don't think any gurus have made their picks yet. So we, Even me. We do a guru winner. and Well, beside me because I always make my picks before I open it up just so I'm not influenced necessarily by seeing everybody else's choices. Mm. Um, but we do a guru winner and then we also do a listener winner. And the prize is you get to have your moment on Sif Pop where we read whatever message you want us to read. So if you want to promote something or you just want to say hey or tell everybody a movie that they should watch, uh, you know, within reason, yeah. we'll read whatever you send, you know, for us to read. And if I remember correctly, you are the co-reigning champ. I did I I did win last year, didn't I? No, yeah. I that sounded really like I was being sarcastic. No, no I totally, totally forgot, forgot I had you won. totally forgotten that I actually won last year because yeah, I you, never win that. You beat me by one. <laughs> you beat me by one. I came in second place or technically third, I guess. For the gurus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um I had forgotten all about that, but I'm I'm excited for oh, this year. Me. I have not forgotten. <laughs> I see vengeance in Ormsby's eyes. I blame Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Yep. <laughs> what would be the equivalent of that this year? Uh, the Dark Tower. Oscar-winning the Dark Tower. Best right. Oh, well, I guess it has. To, I, I haven't. I don't know the nominations yet. I had. I had to go and look. I at didn't them. think Dark Tower was nominated for anything. I guarantee you it was. Well, I would have guaranteed Suicide Squad was nominated. <laughs> so. Uh, I'll well, have to look and be like, really that. I'm excited for this year because I feel like there's going to be some surprises this year. Yeah, I think it could be really interesting. So um, all that's happening. I think the Oscar, it, just as long as you get your picks in before Oscar Day. So picks are due Saturday, March 3rd at midnight. So that is, what, three weeks from today? Mm-hmm. So three weeks from today at midnight. Uh, get your picks in uh, by then so you can win. Uh, if you want to know where that's at, I'll tweet it out again today. Um so that you kind of have that link because it's not like an easy URL to remember. I should create like a like a bit.ly or something that just makes it super easy, but mm. I just haven't done that. So I'll tweet it out again today so you can check that out on my Twitter. Just follow me at Aaron Dicer. Uh, we are going to, uh, as mentioned, talk about the Cloverfield Paradox. We're going to talk about space thrillers, our best ever space thrillers. And, of course, we'll do Sif Quest, Buried Treasure. But first, let's do some Do We Care, Andrew. Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. Pick three topics for us to discuss. We must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one, Game of Thrones producers David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have been been greenlit to write and produce their own Star Wars trilogy. Now, this is news after Ryan Johnson was greenlit to do his own Star Wars trilogy, completely separate from theirs, mm-hmm. as well as the other spinoffs like the young Han Solo movie. The question I have for you, Aaron, is there's a thing as too much Star Wars? Well, let's answer the first question. Yes, I absolutely care about this, because <laughs> yes. uh, it's Star Wars. Yes. Uh, and then the second question... There's such a thing as too much bad Star Wars, but I haven't seen that yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. here's here's my thing, and and I'll just go to the extreme because I want to live in the truth of what I'm saying. Let's say there was a Star Wars movie that came out every single weekend, okay. every single weekend, some <laughs> sort of expanded universe story mm-hmm. from this universe came out. If they were all good, I'm on board, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like a, a weekly Star Wars anthology almost show that never stops i'm good with that 
Yeah. But you're right. It, there, I, I think as human beings, we do get sick of stuff, you know, um, who wants to be a millionaire is on four nights a week because it's the highest rated show on TV and then it's gone, you know, two years later because everybody's already sick of it, you know? So yep. not that who wants to be a millionaire is anything like Star Wars, but if they keep putting them out, you never know. I think they just ran out of money. <laughs> that could be can't as give, well. Can't give away $4 million a week. So what do you think? You think there's too much? I think that there is the potential for too much, and I hope that we are not on the precipice of you know falling into it because it used to be Star Wars was something that happened three times every <laughs> twenty six, years, every twenty years, <laughs> yeah, right? So now we're getting Star Wars every single year, and it just it's it's a transition. I think so. If the transition works. Like what you said, if they're good, then I'm okay with it. But I still haven't seen uh, the uh, what the Last Jedi mm-hmm. twice yet, so I right. haven't, you know. But right now, I kind of got a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth for Star Wars, and I know that there's always the potential to rectify, quote unquote, sure. in my mind. But whenever I have that feeling right now, and then I hear there's the potential potential for nine more movies <laughs> i'm like oh okay well they are good i mean they've got a cash cow they are going to milk it as much as they can milk it and as long as that milk tastes good i'm gonna keep using it in my cereal yeah my star wars cereal i'm gonna keep keep chugging it down let us know on twitter what you guys think yeah i would love to think hear. if there's potential for too much star here's, wars here's the other thing i would say yeah um, if because I said if they're good, I'm in for as many as they want to do. Yeah. I think making too many makes it more difficult for them all to be good. That's the thing. Uh, and that's and that's where I think you know, if they can somehow pull it off, they can somehow pull it off. But you know, I mean, we get how we get what two or three Marvel movies every year, right? Most of them are good, and most of them are good. We get two Pixar movies most years. But here's the thing: I think with Marvel, and here's the difference: we have over seventy years of stories from Marvel already cataloged that they can bring to the screen that people have worked through and understand. Exactly. And yeah, no, that's true. With Star Wars, I know that George Lucas wrote a whole bunch of books, but I don't see any of them being adapted. I think everything is pretty original. Yeah, it right? feels like original stuff, right? Yeah. So that's the difference, I think, with that. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, we good? Yeah. Number two, Joaquin Phoenix is reported to star in a Joker origin film directed by Todd Phillips and produced by Martin Scorsese. Jared Leto is still cast as the Joker, though, in future DC films. Um, t- You know, just coming off of saying not too much Star Wars, can I say too much Joker? Like, I just, I, and I think it has to do with seeing so many different people play the same character so you know, on top of each other, back to back. Well, I think we have five now, and this could potentially be six. We have Cesar Romero, uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and I guess he would be the fifth one then. Yeah, I, I there's just something very strange about it to me, and I that makes me not excited for it. Yeah. Um, but then again, I'm also not you know a DC guy. Any, like I haven't bought into a lot of what they're doing in the DC universe anyway. Yeah. So that also makes me not excited about it. The only thing that makes me excited about it is Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Who is so good. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he was born to play this Joker, I guess. <laughs> Possibly. Um. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, and as a DC fan, I will say the Joker is my favorite villain of all time. 
Having said that, though, I think that there is a huge catalog of other villains that DC really needs to look at for potential. Like I said, if Christopher Nolan was to ever do a a DC film, like direct one for the franchise, I want him to do a Riddler because I think he could nail a Riddler movie. If him and Aaron Sorkin Sorkin wrote for a Riddler. (laughs) Wow. Aaron Sorkin writing in a Christopher Nolan directed film. I don't think it matters uh, what the subject matter is. You're in? I'm in. I'm in for that. Yeah. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a catalog. You have Riddler. You have all of these amazing villains, not only for Batman. Condiment King. Yeah. Bring Condi- in Condiment King. He is a real villain, people. <laughs> he is real. He used to be uh, the uh, mayonnaise, uh, mayonnaise man or something like that. He really <laughs> Mayonnaise man. I'm serious. I'm not even joking. That's a real thing. Uh, but I'm saying, like, Besides Batman villains, there's a whole bunch of other villains out there that they could. Granted, the Joker is easily the most popular. Right. And I think that's why they think that it's quote unquote cash cow because people are going to go and see a Joker origin. If it, is it going to be, uh, what is it? The Batman, uh, what was the Joker origin comic book? I'm having. Oh, I don't know. You, you, that's all on you, man. If you want to know comic books, that yeah. that is all on you. Uh, uh, Girk Hamill did not play a live action Joker. That's why I didn't list him. Yeah, no, he he did Joker voice. Yeah, that's it. He's still the best Joker of mm-hmm. all time. Easily the best Joker. Uh, killing Joke. That's what I'm thinking of. Killing yeah. Joke. We don't need to rehash the argument, but Ledger's the best Joker. Let's just let's just move on. We can each believe. Yeah, what you, we want to believe. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> you're allowed to be wrong. Um, but- I think I think you're right. I think there is at some point um, people will stop caring if you keep making bad movies. Yeah. And right now they've got this thing that they can put on the screen and guarantee themselves four hundred, five hundred million dollars. Right? Like it's it's in the it's the Batman story. It's the Joker story. It's in that universe. Yeah. But if they keeping make making bad versions of that, people will stop going eventually. Now I don't know how long it'll take because they've made several Transformers movies in a row that aren't very good, and people still go to those. So it may take a while. But eventually, <laughs> we will wake up, right, Andrew? Yeah, I want, I want, I don't want us to wake up. I want the studios to wake up. That's what I want to have. Well, no, you got. I think the blame is equally distributed. You can't, you cannot blame them if if people keep buying tickets and they keep making money. Their business, you know, and the, the way that business interacts with the creative side is certainly that struggle, but. I mean, you can't blame the business for making money. Now, here's a question, though. Do you think that the fandom going to see these movies are fans of the films, or do you think they're fans of the property? Both. No, I think the majority. What do you think it is? Majority Property, is... probably. Okay, yeah. So I think that there will come a time when the property lovers, you know, quote-unquote, rise up and say, hey, because of its... If you think of the majority as people who love the fans, then or the movies, then there's nothing we can do. Right. But if it's, you know, people who love the property, but they don't like the movies, then yeah. All they have to look at is Wonder Woman. And like, that's a great movie. First, I thought you said the Property Brothers. And I was like, no, that's a totally different thing. You know what? I will be talking about Property Brothers later. (laughs) It's amazing. That is, just so you know, I'm not lying. It's on your sheet. It's on my sheet. Okay. That's that's incredible. But uh, okay, number three. Yeah, move on. Uh, this will be a good transition into Cloverfield. Okay, good. Did you know we're getting a fourth Cloverfield movie this year? 
in October. I didn't know if it was going to be this year. Um, as with most Cloverfield stuff, I don't think they've officially announced anything, but I knew there was a war Cloverfield movie that they were talking about as number four. Yeah, I know you don't like knowing plot summaries, especially sure. for these movies, so I'm going to skip past that. So if you're interested, you can look it up online. It's there. But here is what I wanted to talk about. If you care, uh, the uh, this is the there was an eight-year gap between the first Cloverfield and the second one. Right. Now we're getting three movies in three years, two in the same year. Mm-hmm. What up? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's an anthology series, I don't know that it much, you know... It's not like yeah. you need a ton of space between them. I liked Cloverfield more whenever it was kind of a Black Mirror-esque. Every single film was different. They weren't really tied into each other. So, this How has little... that ever not been the case? The, we, we can talk about that. In, in, oh, in the review? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but Because the first movie and the second movie aren't really tied into each other. Well, except, I mean, the last you know 15 minutes of the film or whatever. I'll, I'll debate that. Okay. I don't think that they're tied in at all. I think it's two different movies. Okay. But um, um, the fourth one from the plot summary, I'll just go ahead and say it looks like it's going back to a completely different, mm-hmm. like not total Black Mirror, like different every single movie. Yeah. More um, of the anthology feel. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think the one we're dealing with here is obviously a tie-in. The one that we were about to I think we're going to argue about this a little bit because I don't think it's as much different as you think it is. So maybe once we get into the review, maybe we'll... I think we'll probably start the review off chatting about that kind of stuff. You know, just kind of the the way Cloverfield has worked, the way it was released, you know, all that kind of fun stuff before we actually get into reviewing the movie. You want to just make that happen? Let's make it happen. Cool. All right. Let's talk a little Cloverfield paradox. Possible earthquake near the Statue of Liberty. Looks like you should have left town a little bit earlier. Whatever you're doing, stop. The story set in the near future centers on a team of astronauts on a space station making a terrifying discovery that challenges all they know about the fabric of reality as they desperately fight for their survival. It's the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, We will talk about our thoughts on this movie, review it a little bit. We'll go over kind of the the basic stuff that we do in that. But before we even get to the liked it, loved it, all that stuff, let's talk about how this movie happened because I think it's really interesting to kind of look at that stuff first when you're dealing with this, because Netflix uh, announces during the Super Bowl, hey, guess what? We've got the new Cloverfield movie live after the Super Bowl. You can watch it. Here's the thing. I did have this in my pros. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and say this. Marketing for Cloverfield movies dating back to the very first one is spectacular. They know how to do it. No, I'm so on board. Yeah. Yeah, With the first one, they it was a total you know mystery what is this movie yeah people had theories is jj abrams making his own godzilla movie is it a voltron movie nobody knew right and i was so on board with online theories for the cloverfield movie it's why i i still believe that is why i actually love the first cloverfield movie not a lot of people say they love the first cloverfield movie yeah i love the first cloverfield movie and then that's good information to know yeah then the eight-year gap Uh comes by and then a month before the movie is released in theaters, they say, hey, 10 Cloverfield Lane, released. Because people thought that uh, it was under a different name. Right, yeah, yeah. During the whole thing. Uh, John Goodman and uh, Elizabeth... uh, Help me out, buddy. 
<laughs> I don't I don't remember. Okay. Uh, they thought there was a totally different movie. And then you find out, oh, it's a Cloverfield movie? Right. And it was so cool. And now with this one, uh, in two hours, you're getting into Cloverfield movies. I think the next step is the movie that was out four months ago, that was a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> That's right. You didn't even know. You didn't even know. Um, I, I love this. I don't know how they'll do it for the rest of the movies, but I feel like the Cloverfield movies are the perfect idea of what I would want to do with my zero frames movie studio. You know, I've talked about the idea of having a movie studio where once a year we release a movie, mm-hmm. we don't market it at all. We don't tell you anything about it. Um, we, except maybe the genre yeah. and maybe who's in it. And then you go and see it if you want. And then word of mouth does the rest. Yeah. And I you know, that's that's a pipe dream that'll never happen because Hollywood doesn't work that way. But these movies are kind of close to that, you know, because when everybody sat down to see the Cloverfield Project on you know Saturday night after the Super Bowl, I guarantee you for most of well, I guess I can guarantee you for all of them, because the only thing that showed was during the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. That's all they'd seen on the movie. So there wasn't time to go explore and try to figure out and to to go look at the trailer and go frame by frame and figure th- you know what I mean so the, exactly. it, it eliminated all of that like pre obsession yeah. and it's interesting and I think because of that also no critical response ahead of time right no rotten tomatoes score none of that kind of stuff um all of that adds up to what I think is very pure honest reactions to the movie. Um, the other genius thing about it is, I think they knew this would have completely flopped in the theater. Like this, this movie would have been such uh, a disappointment to them in the theater, and so they somehow managed to turn a disappointment into, you know, maybe people don't like it, but everybody's talking about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a marketing genius. It's marketing genius for the movie. It's marketing genius for Netflix. I think with the Cloverfield franchise. People associate it less with sci-fi, even though that's always what it's about. But I think the first thing people think of when they think of Cloverfield is how it's marketed. That is the very first thing they think of. Yeah. Because that's what it's known for, having the coolest, most unique marketing of any movie franchise in Hollywood. Yeah. Easily. No, no I agree completely. So, yeah, I think I think we're in agreement that the marketing part of it is genius. Uh, Absolutely. The way they released it was really smart, and they made a, uh, uh, you know, they made gold out of a bad situation in many ways Yeah, uh, that they could have been in. Um, is it time for general thoughts? Yeah. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I hated it. Uh, I'm going to go with it was just okay. Just okay? Yeah. Right right down the middle. I think there's a lot to like about this movie, um, There's, but it's a mess. This movie, this movie is a complete mess. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you were saying that um, there's a reason why they didn't put it in theaters and they didn't, you know, do the cr- critical review and everything, this is why. It's because it's not a good movie. And yeah. it's funny because it's not a finished movie. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like it. It felt like they just they couldn't make it work. They couldn't make the tones work. They couldn't make the Cloverfield stuff work inside it. Like, all that stuff felt really weird to me. Here's what I think happened, and I've actually heard other people say this, too, um, in their reviews, and I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think that they filmed a movie, and it was done, and then somebody said, why don't we make this a Cloverfield movie? And then they put extra stuff in there just to try and make it feel like a Cloverfield movie. That that is not um, That is not conjecture. That is confirmed. Oh, that, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's confirmed. That's J.J. Oh. Abrams has talked about that. 
You know, I didn't the, the, know that. this was a separate movie, separate script. They filmed it. Uh, they liked it for Cloverfield. I mean, I think the talks were happening while it was filming those kind of things, but they wanted to film a complete movie and then it was retrofitted, you know, to tie into the Cloverfield universe. It and totally doesn't work. There yeah, are... you can feel it. You can feel the stitching. Yeah, completely. And it's so bad. Um, the the sti- well, the movie's bad, but you know, the stitching is so bad yeah, too. No, it's it's very obvious. Um, but I guess we could, you know, we always start on pros. Yeah. So one thing I do want to say is that uh, Gugu and Batha Raw. She's phenomenal. I don't know of anything she really did before this movie, but her performance in this movie is actually really good. Like, oh, she's I, great. She's uh, she's been in Doctor Who. Oh, has she? Um, I think yeah. I think she was a companion. Oh, um, I missed I missed that then. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm completely misremembering that. I should look that up. But um, no, she gave true emotion and real drive. Like I really bought into everything her character was, you know, saying and trying to do. Very believable. She's not the only one that's great, though. And what a cast. I would actually argue on that one. Really? I, I really would. Oh, I, I think you're wrong. I think Danielle Brule, uh, Brule is great. I think, um, uh, why can't I, uh, Chris O'Dowd. He's I didn't like so him at all. so great. Oh, he's so funny, man. I, okay, okay. You want to, I'll, I'll wait to talk about all this. Sure, in, sure. In negatives, but yeah. Go, I mean, go. you can say that his performance doesn't fit with the rest of the movie or those kind of <clears> things, which I would agree with, but his performance, if that were the movie, is really good, and he's really funny. I don't, I don't, I don't agree, but I'll save it. I'll save it for, okay. actually, I'll save that for spoilers, what I'm specifically thinking about. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, because there are specific parts I can point to and say, that's just terrible for him specifically. Um but if you have pros, go ahead because the the marketing in uh, in Bothera, those are the only pros I have. So the the uh, the acting I really liked. Uh, the concept is really smart. Um, this is a movie that, if they had done it right, could have been my favorite movie of the year. Um, this the idea of tying in this type of movie to the Cloverfield universe is genius and it works on such an intricate and beautiful level for what they want to do with these properties that i completely get why they did what they did i just wish they would have hit it out of the park but the idea of um i guess i'll have to save that for spoilers because i think it does give a little bit away of what's going on in the movie um you know uh that, that i don't necessarily want to give away but i think it's really smart uh what what this movie is trying to do and which is why it's so disappointing yeah. that it's such a mess. Here's what I can say on that, and hopefully this won't be too much of a spoiler. I think that trying to answer questions from previous movies is a bad thing in this particular instance because I think the mystery of why things happen in the Cloverfield universe is what makes it so fascinating. And whenever you try and answer those questions, it takes away from that mystery. I didn't really feel like this answered much at all. Oh, it didn't answer. That was the problem. But that's what Wait, it I felt thought you like, just said that no, you but didn't that's want what it, it to felt, answer. That's what it felt like it was trying to do. Oh, I it, don't think so. I think it was poorly executed, but I think that that's what it was trying to do. To answer questions? Yes. And I can. it'll have to wait for spoilers for me to go into more detail. But I think... That's how I feel this movie, it was badly executed. And I feel like it, w- it was trying to give a foundation. Maybe that's what you mean. No. I, I feel it, like it was trying to give a structure to yeah. the to the anthology series, but I don't th- I don't feel like it answers anything. Like I, you don't know any more about 
you know. <laughs> this is the weird thing because we've done it, run into this problem with movies in the past where you just really can't talk about it because <laughs> 90% of the movie is spoiler. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to listen to the Sif spoil for sure. Yeah. Um so anyways, I liked that. I think I think there's a I think there's a great movie here that was uh and I think it has to do with the way it was planned, the way it was executed because it wasn't planned. Uh it was a movie that was supposed to live on its own and then try to be retrofitted with the Cloverfield stuff and it just didn't work and it's a mess because of it and the tones are a mess because of it and it's just it's a movie that doesn't know what it is I don't know and if this makes sense making it a Cloverfield movie made it worse no absolutely yeah well forcing it retrofitting it with the Cloverfield stuff made it worse yeah that, that moment where they're in uh, this isn't a huge spoiler if it's a spoiler at all but the, the moment where there's a newscast and they're all listening to this newscast on the space station where it just it it just gets in all the exposition it needs to get in about how it's tied to the Cloverfield universe. Yeah, the MacGuffin is uh, it's, so bad. It's so forced and it's so bad, and it's just. And the movie has those moments, but the movie also has these incredible. Okay, so there's two tones at at war here in this movie too. There's a humor tone, like kind of almost a um, a comedy thriller tone to it. You know, that's the Chris O'Dowd stuff, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then there's also the space thriller, space horror part of it both of those work in certain scenes that there's a moment with, that i won't spoil until spoilers uh that that just has to do with the wall and that part was actually really creepy it's it was awesome it, i thought that was but again it's a mess because it doesn't necessarily fit with everything else around it in the tone of everything else around it so that that was the frustration in this movie for me well now that i'm thinking about it, there were actually two wall scenes Okay. So I don't know which. Both of them were actually really creepy and terrifying. Yes. But, uh, yeah. And also both of them were different tones. Yeah. That, that is a great, I think that may be the primary example of my main issue with this movie not fitting together, other than the Cloverfield stuff. Yeah. Is comparing those two scenes. One is a pure space horror scene, and it yeah. is very scary. And yeah. the other is freaky and scary but it's almost more like evil Exciting. dead yeah it's almost like more comedy evil dead kind of freaky and scary you know what i mean yeah and those two things were at battle in this movie and it just never fit together so yeah so that's that's a positive in that those things worked on their own and also a negative in that they're in the same movie and they it feels weird so yeah yeah that's about all that's all about all i wanted to mention for positives i'm not i am not going to sit here and say this is, was a great movie i was really enjoying it for about the first 30 minutes and then it just I'm just it started to become really messy really fast. Oh yeah. So yeah. Now this is what I want to say. Aside from uh Raw, I thought the acting was actually bad. And on top of that, the acting being bad, every single person in this movie besides her is a cookie cutter of a generic space survival thriller. You have the bad boy, the comic relief, the statuesque leader, the genius, the religious, and then the untrusty one. And it's so basic and predictable that it takes away from the uniqueness of not only the movie but the Cloverfield films. Interesting. I just I didn't see it that way. You didn't see how like okay that's the cliche of that character that's the cliche of that character and so forth. Um, not in not in a way that I felt like was overt or negative. Um, I mean certainly they had their roles to play and. Yeah, I would say more a movie like. Did you see Life? 
Yeah, so life, life. life is like that. Life, life has all the cliches, and I think life did it better though. Oh, <laughs> really? Come on. No, I swear. I know you don't like life, but I really think that I don't like as, life. As, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like life, but I um, hate life. But I think that as okay, I think the, after seeing life afterwards, I I may have been you know just more in the moments of it, Could and be. I, I can understand and I notice a lot of the problems, but still. I think that they're I think that the overtness and the extremeness of the characterizations of those cliches in this movie is way is it because, worse. Well, is it because the um the diversity is is raised in this like the I, I don't mean diversity as far as like racial. Sure. I mean diversity as far as international. So the international diversity of, you know, this is the Russian and this is the so those were all kind of archetypes as well. Is that part of it? No, I think it's more of the comedy guy is really trying to be comedic and the statuesque leader is trying to be the most, you mm-hmm. know, follow me, I'll get us through this. And then the the shady one, like, really, what are they up to? They really dove in and tried to be the most extreme version of those characters where it became ridiculous for me. Okay. I, and I get how perspective can shift like that. I did not feel that. I did not feel the th- it being that melodramatic and over the top. So, David, you nailed it on the head. This felt like a sci-fi original film. Uh, yeah, I felt that actually at points too. Yeah, um, it, it it just it it did not feel. And, and part of that maybe is watching it on Netflix. I don't know. Maybe I feel differently if I'm watching it on the big screen, but. Um, I think it, it would have been even more mad. You know what if it felt I like? It, it felt like to me, what? it felt like a fair to middling episode of Doctor Who, and that maybe that's because she was in it. I don't know, but it, it had that Doctor Who feeling to me, where it's like I don't expect it to be, you know, theater quality, quality amazingness. It's just a fun sci-fi romp. Um, so, yeah, it felt like a messy episode of Doctor Who to me in some ways. Made for TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of had that feel to it. Which is unfortunate. Any other non-spoilery negatives you wanted to bring out? I can't. I really can't. <laughs> I think we hit on the main ones, which yeah. are which are uh, tone disparity, uh, I think is a main one, and forcing in the Cloverfield stuff. It just it feels like a movie that was... It's a Frankenstein movie. It just feels like a Frankenstein... And I don't mean an actual Frankenstein movie. I, I, I get what you're saying. I pieces mean a movie put together. That, yeah, that has yeah. pieces stitched together that just, you know, at the end of the day, don't look like an actual human being. It looks more like a monster. Exactly. So. Unfortunate. We'll talk more in, in the spoilers. I want to get yeah. in... Because I'm really excited to hear your specific kind of details on you know some of those things the acting and the different moments so i'm just so i understand the reason why you have this movie just as okay is because you thought that the performances actually did hold up other than that you think that the movie was really bad no i think what it is for me again is a frustrating case of i think there's a great movie here that is ruined by a couple choices um and so i think it's just okay because there are scenes that i really enjoyed there are performances that most of them i really enjoyed it just overall doesn't hold together as a movie uh, to be a great overall experience. Okay. So that, that I think that's how I'd sum it up for me. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, ready to move on to the best ever challenge? Yes. All I'm right. I'm excited about this one. So we're going to talk about space thrillers, and we'll do our best ever space thril- thrillers. We'll go number three to number one, and then talk about some honorable mentions. Uh, feel free to, to trumpet uh, if you've got it higher. Um, I will say... As I was thinking about this, I didn't include 
And if you did, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm no judgment, not going to say that's not a space thriller, but I didn't include movies like, um, Wally or if they take place in space, I didn't put them in. (laughs) What do you mean if they take place in space? With Wally, it's not a thriller. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I tried to pick movies that at least the core of that movie is very thrilling or very, you know, exciting in that way. So, um, so yeah, so. Uh, so we'll go with that. Um, you want to start? I'll let you start, actually. My number three is Moon. Same. Really? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. With a lot of stuff we can't give away without spoiling the movie. And Kevin Spacey has a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that Kevin, Kevin Spacey's having much of a smiley face not, these days. Not right now, no. But yeah, that, that movie is so interesting. That was Duncan Jones' directorial debut, if yeah, I remember Yeah, it was. Correctly. I think you're right. Yeah. What's and he got going? Didn't, didn't wasn't there a trailer of his that came out recently? Mute. See, I know nothing, obviously, but what's Another, your general reaction, Mister Trailer? Okay, um, uh, go. I, I'm sorry, I really do want to go back to kind of a discussion on Cloverfield Paradox because this actually reminds me of something. Do you? This remember, is our podcast. We can do what we want. Do you remember a time when Netflix had carte blanche on everything they did because everything they put out was great or oh, phenomenal? No. You really you don't remember? No, that? I don't. I remember because they they came out with House of Cards and then right after yeah, that but they were out, bad shows too. Not in the beginning because it was House of Cards wasn't even the first show on Netflix. Yes, it was the net first Netflix original. I do not believe so. Go ahead, keep talking. I'll check it but out. But then they did like Orange Is the New Black and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I do remember they had a lot of original content that people liked. I'm yeah. pretty sure House of Cards was the first Netflix original. Uh, the first Netflix uh, original series. What was it called? I remember. Because I think it was a little bit after that that Hemlock Grove came out. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. But people seem to Well, like and there's, there's another example of, you know. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it seems like now everything is a Netflix original and not all of them are good. Right. I think for there was a couple years there where I'm like, man, Netflix can do no wrong with their originals, even their movies, because the first Netflix original movie was a Beast of No Nation. And I'm like, wow, that was a powerful movie. It was really good. Yeah. So I can only think from here on out that you know only their movies will be perfect. And now it seems like ugh, it's you have to be really you have to kind of hold your expectations back with Netflix now. Because well, I mean they're they're just greenlining so much. It's quantity and over that's, quality. That's kind of been their modus operandi since the beginning. Is just to you know. I don't think they had as many people coming to them at the beginning. I don't think they had as necessarily as much money, uh, to, you know, to do at the beginning. But, yeah. but yeah, no, I th- I think you're right. For the most part, you know, starting off, it was really good. But this started off as a mute conversation of what I thought of the trailer. yeah. So, what do you think of the trailer? I'm really excited for it. I love Alexander Skarsgård. I think he's great. He was so good in Big Little Lies, um, and True Blood. And then you put on Duncan Jones on top of this, and that it's a Netflix original. Because I don't know, I'm just really excited. It's it looks so you're you're excited for it. I it looks like a very unique story. That's why I'm excited for it. Okay, back to Moon because that's actually where we started. Yeah. So now there's a unique story. Yeah, and and just you know, <laughs> and that's kind of where I get my excitement for stuff is from what they've done previously. And I really think Moon is smart. It's clever. It's interesting. Um, Sam, Sam Rockwell Rock- has to carry that entire movie by himself. I love movies like that when yeah. an actor can do that, like Locke. Yeah, like Locke. Yeah, exactly with Tom Hardy. Yeah. So no, yeah, Moon's Moon's definitely uh, my number three. Yeah. What's your number two? Man, it's just gonna be me because you're picking the same stuff I did. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, did you have, you know, you probably didn't have my number two. My number two is Gravity. That was an honorable mention for me. Um, Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, and one of the most incredibly intense movie-going experiences I've ever had. Uh, one of a handful of movies that I say, uh, it is a completely different movie in 3D than 2D. Yeah. Um, and the 3D makes it so much better. Uh, it is not a movie that I get the same feeling when I watch it at home that I got when I saw it 3D IMAX. Uh, it is just, it's an experience. It's beautiful. It's thematic. It's, you know, metaphoric. It's anxiety inducing. It is. So, yeah, that's my number two. I don't think any movie, there's been a couple of them that have made you, you know, fear space. Everything else, I'm like, space is wonderful and fantastic. It's the new frontier. It makes you excited for it. Right. There are a few movies that make you terrified of space. And I can, there, I have some that are in my honorable mentions. Um, but this is the creme de la creme. I've never been more terrified of space yeah. than in gravity. No, for sure. It's it's so deadly. I've never. There's not been a movie that's like everything will kill you. You right. know, it's definitely it's not. It's humans aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, True. Fair enough. But uh, my number two is a movie that makes me you know excited and terrified of space at the same time, and that's Interstellar. Yeah, that was in my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, Probably my number four, if I were honest. Yeah. So, yeah, talk about it. Uh, it mainly comes down to not just the thrilling aspects of it, but the performance in this, performances in this movie, especially the scene where McConaughey is catching up on all the videos of his family and stuff. Mm-hmm. is one of the most emotionally draining and depressing things I've why ever do, seen. Why do people not like Interstellar? I get from some people that they, they don't like it. Yeah, no, I've heard I've heard <sighs> lots of people talk about the It is don't... a long movie. It is a very long movie. And maybe some people don't appreciate the overbearing scientificness of it. I know there are, you know, there's parts of it where it's like, yeah, that's not really scientific accurate, especially towards the end of the movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But some people might just be like, it they tried too hard and it made it confusing in moments because i'll tell you this i had to see the movie three or four times and then i started picking up oh okay so that's what that was actually trying what they were trying to do in this moment or what they were Mm. saying you have to i don't want to say you have to be scientifically savvy but it kind of helps in parts of this movie yeah so that might be something to it but i think the performances in this movie from top to bottom are spectacular they're interstellarly good (laughs) i just made up a word Nicely done. What's your number one? My number one space thriller of all time maybe stretches the category. I think I know what it is. Apollo 13. Yep, that's what I thought it was. Is my number one. Yep, honorable mention for me. That's what I was talking about with other movies that make me terrified of space. Yeah. Because it kind of does. And yet it's a true story. Mm -hmm. And the way it... It is almost in many ways... The singular reason that I'm excited for Solo, because Ron Howard did this, yeah, and it's so good, yeah. And to know he's you know doing Solo, kind of go okay. I know he can do great work. So despite all kind of the background noise of everything that's happened there, it gives me a little confidence uh, because the texture of this movie is just perfect. I mean, granted, you've got great performances from some of the best, you know, Sinise and Hanks and. Pullman and yeah. um, 
or Paxton. Paxton. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's a mistake pull, I will make pull, my entire life. Pull I, in this I apologize. It is a mistake uh, I will make. I will continue to make. Uh, I just actually met Bill Pullman at the awards. Really? Yeah. Did you know that? Nice guy. I mean, I just said hi. Oh. So actually, I said, I said, you sir are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I like you. Oh, that's so. cool. So yeah, but Paxton, yes, Paxton and uh, Kevin Bacon and rest in peace and so many others uh, that make that movie amazing. But what a great true story! Love the way it's told. Love the idea of just figuring that out and getting them home and it's good stuff. I think you and I recently it may have been on the last podcast we did. We talked about how true stories make a movie better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel that way. Yeah, that's always been my experience. Yeah, my number one. I'm gonna go with Aliens. Yeah, the second one. I will kind of say the first one and the second one, especially the first one is more thriller horror movie. Well, yes. whereas the second one is more thriller action. Yes, but I think they both could count. Yeah, they definitely both could count. And I would say that Aliens, the second one, is my favorite one out of the entire franchise. Yes, I had them both in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I I view them just about equally. Um, but I can absolutely see why it's your number one. Yeah. Um, the whole thing with the queen at the end, the queen alien is like one of the coolest villains in cinema. I really do believe that because there's just something so powerful about her that just makes her that much more terrifying than any regular xenomorph, you know? Yeah. It's, you actually feel menace with her as opposed to just a drone is just, you know, Eat, eat. But she just something about her just made her terrifying on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I continue to think the design of the Xenomorphs is the endearing reason why the alien movies continue to get made. Uh the creature part of it is just grabbed our consciousness in in a really interesting way. So they are the epitome of terror. Yeah. There's nothing about them that is not horrifying. Yeah. But, I just, but you, know, you, have if to, you Andrew, love them at the same time, Andrew. If you opened your mouth and another Andrew came out of your mouth, instead of hoy, I think we'd all be terrified. Yeah. Oh, I would not blame you. All but right. Some honorable mentions. I only had one more honorable mention, and uh, it was The Martian. Yep, I've got that in my honorable mentions as well. Yeah. Another movie that makes you terrified of space. Um, what a great performance! What a great story. Yeah. Uh, I think we also need to mention Sunshine. Not based on a true story. Uh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, Not Sunshine. yet, at least. Uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine is worth mentioning, although I think that movie kind of falls apart towards the end, but it's really powerful. Uh, Pitch Black is uh, oh, one of my, my favorites. Oh, my goodness. How did I forget Pitch Black? It's great, right? It's so good. Yeah. It is very good. And Vin Diesel, like, he is the only person that could have pulled off that role. Right. Yeah. It feels that way for sure. Um, I mentioned Event Horizon uh, as another one. And then uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I think, is worth mentioning as well. It's it's up there, but Kubrick is so weird. Man. He is weird. No, that's why I had it in honorable mentions. But The second, the middle part of that movie is the only thing I can say is that is an amazing movie. That middle part with, you know, uh, Dave and uh, Hal 9000. Yeah, yeah. That part, but... I can't begin- do that, Dave. I can't do that, Dave. Yeah. Daisy. Open the pot bay doors, Hal! Daisy... But no, the beginning part and then the end part are just too weird. Yeah. They're too Kubrick. <laughs> you went full Kubrick on yeah. us. <laughs> he did. He, he held nothing back. Uh, Autumn asks, does Serenity fall into this category? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think that's more of a 
kind of a space uh, adventure yeah. or um, comedy even. Yeah, you know? I think with the, the only thing you count is with Serenity as thriller would be the Reavers. Yeah, possibly. Um, don't get me wrong. I love but if Firefly. You count, if you count Serenity, you almost have to start counting Star, Star Wars, Wars and Star yeah. Trek and and those kind of things. So could you count Empire Strikes Back as a thriller? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, um, it's more of just straight sci-fi. So there you go, our best ever space thrillers. Thank you for giving a shout out to uh, Pitch Black because that totally slipped off my radar, and I love that movie so much. It's one of those. It's one of those that every time I think of it, I'm like, I need to go watch that again. Yeah. I want to watch that again because I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. So I want to get the that whole trilogy because I can even enjoy Riddick even here and now is just its own movie. Like it's not good, but it's fun. Yeah. None of them are good as, as good as the first one. No. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know exactly. It was what you're something saying. special. Maybe it was because it was so low budget and that expectations pers- were low. Yeah. Yeah. No, those those kind of movies always get me. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we head on to Sift Quest and our buried treasure, just a heads up to remember this is a fan funded podcast network called Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. We are able to exist and find more podcasts that you love, make more stuff that you love because you say, you know what? three bucks every month i can support you guys that actually gives you some really fun perks like your own dedicated podcast feed that has bonus episodes for instance in the bonus episode for this week uh, i talked about my thoughts a little more of my thoughts on den of thieves with andrew he talked about his thoughts since he finally saw uh the disaster artist so we had some good conversations there did some catch up there so if you want to listen to that that's available to our patrons at three dollars a month or more that's patreon.com slash Studio DNA, and thank you so much for your support. Before we head on to our Sift Quest, uh, just a shout out to all our Spreaker buddies. Uh, Sift Pop was the number one featured podcast on Spreaker this week. Woo! Thank you all that so is, much. That is all you. So, yeah, thank you for for listening and helping us out. And uh, thanks to Spreaker for being a great platform for what we do. So able to, uh, if you've never listened live, that's where you can listen live. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you can comment on any of the old episodes. You can go listen to all the old episodes. Uh, it's got a nice online interface, a nice app interface. So yeah, thanks to Spreaker and, and uh, thanks to you for making us the number one featured podcast this week. So You rock. Very fun. All right, let's do our Sift Quest. Um, This comes to us from Bud, who says, Hello, Aaron, I have a Sift Quest for you. After Benioff and Weiss were tapped to do more Star Wars movies, there was backlash around the lack of diversity in the writers and directors of the current and future Star Wars movies. In what ways can Lucasfilm and Disney diversify the universe? Who would you like to see helm a movie or TV show? How do you think this would improve the Star Wars universe? Thank you very much. Yeah, diversity has been a big topic uh with star wars recently and i mean in hollywood in general the last several years yeah um valuable very much so um what are your thoughts andrew um i do totally agree that there is a lack of diversity and um i've actually compiled a list of four people i would love to see helm great let's do that because then i have some i didn't really make a list i had i had one that i actually think is going to be announced very soon oh really um i i'm almost sure of it but go ahead you do your list and then i'm gonna have a few other thoughts all right so number one i would like to see Catherine bigelow do a star wars quiz absolutely there is something with the whole um what am i trying to say uh she does uh 
you know, spy stuff really well. Because if you look at Zero Dark Thirty and even Detroit, I know Detroit's not a spy movie, but she can she has that grittiness to her that she could really bring, make a, the Rebel Empire struggle really exciting. She gets tension, yeah, better than a lot of directors do. The some of the scenes in Detroit are just mind blowingly tense. In Hurt Locker is the same way, yeah. Um, so yeah, she really understands how to own an audience. Yeah, she could so make a, a good choice. really good dark Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's a good choice. Now, as far as like a really exciting, ex- uh, exciting uh, Star Wars movie, Patty Jenkins would be really cool. Seeing what she did with Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. I would be really excited to see um, what she could bring to that. Yeah, the one that I would be the most excited for, based solely on his work with uh, wire work and stuff, I want to see Ang Lee do a Star Wars movie. I just watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I'm like, if he did a lightsaber battle in that style, I would be oh, so on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on board to see For him. sure. And the final one I have is Coogler. Yeah. Him doing that Star Wars, you know, looking what he did with Creed and... Um, Black Panther coming out Black this week. Black Panther coming out. I think if he did a Star Wars movie, I would be on board for that one. I think that's a good place to transition into some of my thoughts. Um... One of which is, speaking of Black Panther, what's incredible appears to be about Black Panther, because I see it um, a couple days from now. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. But what the the kind of buzz about it is, is that because it is coming from a black perspective, that it is that it feels so genuine and authentically African. You know, it, it has that that real kind of roots culture feel to it. And that is why it's so important that people of color, women, uh, you know, a diverse array of people are actually pulling those strings and making those decisions because that's different than just checking off boxes, right? That's yeah. different than just putting a black character in a movie or, you know, putting a, a woman in a movie. It's one thing, it's one thing to have a woman lead a movie. It's another thing to have her, like I'm thinking of Rey in Star Wars yeah. is a good example of, uh, I think, a, a great character because she is... One hundred percent, a a human being that we love and root for. She has her own agency. You know, she's not a prop to somebody else. And and that's I that's I think that happens because you have people who are in the decision making process. And here's something with Star Wars that I don't know that I've heard anybody mention in this diversity talk. The one making most of the decisions in the Star Wars universe is a woman. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is running the Star Wars universe, yeah. and she's doing a great job. And I think that's valuable to mention when people bring up diversity in Star Wars. Now, as far as directors and writers, yeah, some work to do. And I honestly believe uh, Ava DuVernay uh, will be announced very soon as directing an upcoming Star oh. Wars movie. So I, I That'd think be that's interesting. Yeah, I just I think w- once Wrinkle in Time comes out, I think they'll make that announcement and. And I think because there's just some weird. In- we have to see how Wrinkle in Time does, though. Well, I'll say this because you haven't seen trailers. Visually, it looks otherworldly, exciting. Yeah. So it would. Limit- I love that property. I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um, there is some, and this didn't come from. This is stuff I've heard through other podcasts I listen to. Those kind of things. This isn't original to me, but with the way that the, that Kathleen Kennedy and the Star Wars crew have handled these diversity questions. Makes me think they have a, a a big announcement in like in hand, like they've already got. And because Wrinkle in Time is coming out so soon, I think they just want to wait until that's out and let that have its you know kind of moment in the sun. 
before they then talk about Ava DuVernay. So that's my guess based on what I've heard from other sources. Again, here's the thing bringing us back to the very beginning of the podcast, an oversaturation of Star Wars. You know, we have Ryan, we have uh, uh, Lin, or uh, the Game of Thrones guys, D.B. Wise and them, and then we're going to have uh, whatever the off ones are, and now uh, possibly Andrew Vernay. Just that's so much Star Wars. I'm all for uh, you know diversity in it, but at the same time, I'm like, it just, just please make them good. That's all, <laughs> just please make them good. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Um, I have to say, you know, for me, it's exciting because I think there are two interesting things that can happen with a movie when it comes to identity, right? One is to see yourself on screen. It's a beautiful thing, right? You see yourself on screen, you identify. For me, that's that's a white dude, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'd be like him, that kind of thing. And because I'm a white dude and because most of what we see on screen are white dudes, that's the main experience I have. But what I've fallen in love with is the curiosity and the the education of seeing other cultures on screen, seeing somebody who didn't come from the same place I came from, different beliefsism, beliefs, uh, different races, uh, gender, all that kind of stuff. To fall in love with exploring what it means to be someone else, I think is the beauty of humanity and the hope of humanity to continue to exist together in peace. Absolutely. That is, that is, and that's why diversity is important because it amplifies for the quote unquote majority, which I don't even know what that means anymore, but it amplifies that the beauty of that education process. If you get stuck in, oh, I only want to see myself on screen. Yeah. Then you're in a bad place. Here's the other side of that. If you're a young black girl, you know, you've lived a life where you mostly see somebody else on screen. So you have already been living somebody else's culture, somebody else's world. Imagine the beauty of seeing yourself on screen and the identity that comes with, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's really cool that we have both. And that, again, is why diversity is such, you know, important keyword for me that's you know that's why i think because there's a hope to it of understanding each other i totally agree i totally agree it's cultural immersion and trying to understand and explore and discover new aspects of humanity is phenomenal it, it, i i the i don't know the re, the first movie that comes to mind for me is slumdog millionaire you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. just seeing the indian culture and you know the color and the vibrancy and stuff and yes there are parts of it where it is dark but there's also beauty everywhere around that movie. And right. I there's plenty of other examples I could go into, but that was just the first one that popped into my head. Yeah, and I think I think it's why people are so excited about Black Panther. I think yeah. it, you know, it represents the hope of, you know, cultural identity and seeing different stories on screen. I think that's that's really an awesome thing. So thank you for the question so much, but we appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get a SIFT quest in, feel free to tweet me at Aaron Dicer. You can direct message me, my DMs are open. Uh, so if it takes up a little more than the whatever Twitter's given us these days, is it 288? 280. Uh, if it takes a little more than that, that's fine. You can leave it there. Uh, it's at Aaron Dicer on Twitter, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. All right, on to our buried treasure. Let's make it happen. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to dig up and make sure people know about? I have been on HGTV like nobody's business Are we lately. into the Property Brothers? We're talking Property Brothers! <laughs> Oh, man, I love those Property Brothers. 
Drew and Jonathan, man, those guys are brilliant. One does the real estate, one does the renovation. It makes me want to just get in there and just remodel my entire apartment, even though I can't because it's an apartment. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck. If you want to come remodel our house, feel I'll free. Open concept, Aaron. <laughs> Open concept. Yes, bring it on. Yeah. What What do you think it is about, I mean, what, what does it touch in your brain that excites you to watch something like that because i just get bored i mean really yeah i i like i get it like you're designing a house or you know i I don't know is is it the element of i want my house to look like that or i'd love to live somewhere like that for me that's not what i just don't experience that i've always been fascinated by like woodworking and stuff like that so whenever the craftsmanship the craftsmanship of it you know building something for yourself and i know it's mainly the Jonathan guy who's, you know, designing and remodeling the house. Sounds horrible to me. Really? That's exciting for (laughs) me. No, I know. No, you're normal. I'm I'm the weird one. I'm just like, I don't want to build anything. You know, I think that there's, I don't think you're, I think you're selling yourself short. I think there's a lot of people who are like you, like, I just want to move into a place and be comfortable. And the actual work of it. But I think that if you put in work and you design something, it makes it that much more personal and Mm. you appreciate it more. So whenever I see people like, you know, working hard at building their own homes or renovating or redesigning something that was worn down into something new and beautiful. That transformation in itself as well, I think, is spectacular. And I know every single episode of that show is the exact same. People are just like, I want an open concept, but I don't want to renovate. I want to move into a move-in ready home. And I think to myself, well, why are you on Property Brothers? It's a renovation (laughs) show. Right. But yeah. I don't know. I can't stop watching it. I, love I do. It. I love. I love those moments where you just get into a show and all of a sudden, you know, you're binging this. I, I had that happen recently with uh, Catfish, with the show Catfish, oh, yeah. and uh, it's just there's something about the concept, and it, and it it's the familiarity of every episode is exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe not exactly, but you know the the beats that you're going to hit in every single episode, mm-hmm. and there's a comfort to that. I think in some ways, so that's interesting. Um. There is no necessarily uh, comfort in my buried treasure. Oh, really? Um, it, the, I'm, I want to talk about Altered Carbon. Did you see? Have you watched that at all? Uh, it's it the came, new Netflix show. It came on right after uh, I was watching Cloverfield Paradox. Like it, uh-huh. it started. Yeah. But by that time, I was just like mad. So I just <laughs> turned off my TV. So I, I, I caught like the first five seconds of it. <laughs> I, um, I have watched the whole season. Oh, so really? All, all ten episodes. <laughs> wow. Um, this is one of the most beautiful and incredible world building experiences I've ever seen. Really, it feels so fleshed out, so complete. It feels real. It feels authentic. The only one I think is that that I could mention right offhand that's better still is my number one. Is her? Her is my number one world building. This could happen. This is our future, you know, kind of sci fi. So it, it feels real. Like it, it feels happen. very real to me. Um, it is, it's very Blade Runner. There's, there's a lot of kind of Blade Runner feel to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, Joel Kinnaman, I think, is the guy's name who plays the lead. Okay. Um, you know, it, 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 is, it is one of those shows that I love for everything it's trying to do. The story's great. Like, I, I love the, the, can I just give you the basic Please. foundation of the, the concept Yeah. without going too deep and spoiling anything? Alter Carbon kind of gives me an idea of what the show might be about. But. So the idea is that bodies have become what they call sleeves. Yeah. Um, your consciousness is stored in a disc. So bodies become transitory. They're not 
permanent. You can have sleeve death, like your body can die, but you can be put in another body yeah. even after sleeve death. Um, and so the show deals with how that would impact our world, how that would impact our universe, because there's an immortality to it, right? Yeah. Now your your disc can die as well. They call that real death, you know. Um, yeah. but it can also be backed up. So you know, and then whenever it was backed up, that's the memories you would have. You know what I mean? So it, it, I just love the way it actually asks and answers and deals with those questions in a real world kind of way. Yeah. So I love everything about it on that uh, element, but I think the show is fairly exploitative, and that bothers me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, certainly with many cable shows, there's sexuality and nudity and violence and these kind of things. It just feels like a lot of it is really unnecessary here and really over the top. Okay. Um, and I don't even necessarily usually say that about Game of Thrones. I think there are some Game of Thrones scenes that way, but it felt like there was for 10 episodes... It, it it really felt exploitative to me, and also because the sexuality was very, I'm just going to say, pornish. Oh, wow. You know? I, I mean, and I don't mean that as explicit. I yeah. just mean that as the vibe. Um, it was very lustful, I guess, would be a so way to say it. It's, so it's, it's not like Westworld, where it's just anatomical. It's, right, exactly. Okay. I mean, there's some of that, but um, I just, I guess I would give that warning because it did bother me, and... Uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself necessarily prude about those kind of things, but at the same time, I don't know, there was just something different. It, it, it just, it felt wrong to me. Well, now I'm on board. <laughs> uh, Honestly, though, it does sound fascinating because I've had that thought, you know, I think possibly we've all had that thought. What if you backed up your consciousness to and that's a what, And that's the bummer of it. And, and I think maybe part of the exploitive, the exploitative nature is how tied the sexuality and nudity is to the violence as well, which, um, you know, I don't know, which is really dark, but yeah. Nudity and violence, you're just checking off all my boxes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, no, uh, but you're right. That's why it's so disappointing, because the concept is so interesting. Yeah. You know, the idea of being able to have your consciousness stored outside of your body. You think it could have been done much better without the unnecessary? I do. I, do. I feel like it, and I feel like it could have felt more authentic. That's the other part of a lot of that stuff is it just feels forced. It doesn't feel authentic necessarily to what's going on. So, But regardless, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. I did, but I am the kind of person who can separate those you know, those things and say, this, I really don't like this, this about it. This is more it. of a disclaimer. Right, yeah. Okay. So this is a disclaimer, but the story itself, you know, I, I found amazing. So, And I think everybody has to kind of ask themselves how those things affect them, all that kind of stuff themselves. So I want to make sure I put it out there. Sure. Okay. Now I understand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Altered Carbon. Ten episodes, I think, on Netflix. Uh, so. Time frame per episode? Hour-ish? About an hour. Okay. Some of them are as low as 40, I think. Some of them are as much as 58. I, I, like, I, I like non- specific time like every well, single yeah. episode has to be an hour you know yeah, tell the story in the amount of time it takes to tell the story exactly i like that yeah that's the netflix thing they're so smart yeah they uh i i do think we're gonna get to a point where every series is eight episodes i think eight feels like the right number of episodes for every um, show yeah i mean six to ten I mean, most of them are six to ten you know yeah. in that range but i yeah, it's that eight mark. I think it's the sweet spot. Unless it's a British show, then it's three or four. That's <laughs> right. Unless it's Sherlock. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So there you go. We did it. Awesome. We did a podcast. We did a podcast. We did it. We did it. We did it. Did a podcast. We did a podcast. We did a podcast. I don't know why I'm singing. I don't know. I was on board. Yeah, you were. Yeah. 
Thanks so much for joining us for Sif Pop today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. If you want to find out more about other live and later shows on the network, you can follow us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks to Andrew for being here. Thank you. Huzzah. You got anything you want to plug? I do. Um, something exciting is possibly in the works. Oh. You remember a little bit, a little bit ago, I used to do a YouTube channel called Flick Freaks. I do, yes. It might be coming back, well, nice. but in a different way. It okay. might be a community now because okay. I have friends like Roper and mm-hmm. Sean from Geek Point They all might be chipping into, you know, just make it a platform for them. Yeah, to, a lot of our Sif Pop gurus. Yeah, very that, cool. That might be what because we already have the audience, and it might be a way to get their. Uh, stuff out there yeah i like that so yeah good idea so be watching the youtube space yeah youtube.com slash freaks freaks is the reviving itself much love and gratitude to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com slash studio dna Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, most of that's at Spreaker, so you can hit that up, leave some comments there. You can also email feedback at sifpop.com, or you can tweet at me, at Aaron Dicer. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably enjoy it too, so let them know about it, and that listening is much easier than creating clean, renewable energy with a gyro ball. Spoiler Chat should be up next in your podcast feed, and we'll see you back next week to chat Black Panther. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Banamanum. <laughs> Banamanum. That's like if, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam Elliott was to do Manamanum. Manamanum. There are three things I do, like. Do, in do, do, do. I like smoking Marlboro. Manamanum. Like song. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, know. man. Menomina. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do 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 do. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.